Welcome to the July 27, 2023 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. First on today's podcast, what's the impact of silent cerebral infarction in patients with immune-mediated thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or ITTP, in clinical remission? In this prospective study, silent infarct was present in half of ITTP survivors, and it was linked to major cognitive impairment, independent of stroke history and depression. Up next, the survival of leukemia stem cells is highly dependent on oxidative phosphorylation in the mitochondria. Now in the Blood Journal, researchers show for the first time that palmitoyl transferase ZDHHC21 is a key regulator of oxidative phosphorylation in AML cells and a promising potential therapeutic target for the treatment of relapsed refractory AML. And finally, targeting iron import as a potential therapeutic approach in aggressive natural killer cell leukemia, or ANKL. In the current issue of blood, researchers show that the liver is the principal niche for this rare lymphoid neoplasm, and treatment with a monoclonal antibody targeting transferrin receptor 1-depleted ANKL cells in the liver and prolonged survival in patient-derived xenografts. Our first research article is Silent Cerebral Infarction During Immune TTP Remission, Prevalence, Predictors, and Impact on Cognition. The first author is Shruti Shadarvede from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. Immune-mediated thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or ITTP, is a life-threatening disorder marked by episodes of thrombocytopenia, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and organ damage, and its cause is autoantibodies that neutralize ADAM-TS13, the von Willebrand factor cleaving protease. Acute episodes of ITTP are often fatal if not managed properly. However, with prompt diagnosis and treatment, survival rates are 95% or higher. The primary concern after an acute episode of ITTP has been the patient's risk of a relapse in the future. However, a number of previously unexpected complications appear to develop while the patient is in clinical remission. These patients are at a higher risk of chronic illnesses, such as hypertension and autoimmune diseases, including systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE. They are also at risk of depression, headaches, and of importance for the present study, neurocognitive impairment. The rate of neurocognitive impairment after an ITTP diagnosis is high which some have attributed to factors such as comorbid depression or disease-related damage to the microvasculature. And the mortality rate for these patients is higher than expected due to high rates of cardiovascular disease. Specifically, risk of stroke is increased by a factor of 5 in patients with ITTP. These complications appear to be associated with low levels of ADAM-TS13 activity, which has been linked to stroke risk in multiple studies. So the present study explores the issue of ITTP complications by looking at silent cerebral infarctions. Silent infarcts are generally defined as lesions on brain MRI that look like typical infarctions but without overt neurological deficits. Silent infarcts are associated with stroke risk factors such as hypertension and older age, suggesting they are a precursor lesion. Of note, silent infarcts are also associated with risk of dementia and cognitive decline. Silent cerebral infarctions have been studied in other disorders where they tend to be found, such as sickle cell disease and SLE. However, to the best of the author's knowledge, silent infarcts have never been studied in ITTP. 
To fill this knowledge gap, they conducted a prospective cohort study they called Neurologic Sequelae of ITTP, or NEST for short. The study included 42 adult survivors of ITTP followed in hematology clinics between September 2020 and December 2022. The median age of patients was 48. About 64% were female and 67% identified as black. The median time since ITTP diagnosis was 67 months and about one quarter of patients had a history of stroke. One aim of NEST was to determine the prevalence of silent cerebral infarction in patients with ITTP in clinical remission. Chaturvedi and co-authors report that silent infarcts are common in this population. Of 36 patients who completed MRI evaluation, 18, or 50%, had evidence of silent infarction. Looking specifically at those 18 patients with silent infarct, 8 had a prior history of overt stroke, whereas 10 did not. Chaturvedi and colleagues also show that silent cerebral infarction is linked to cognitive impairment in patients with ITTP, and that's independent of history of stroke or depression. Cognitive impairment was seen in approximately 67% of patients with silent infarct versus approximately 28% of patients without silent infarct, a significant difference with a p-value of 0.026. And major cognitive impairment was seen in 50% of the patients with silent infarct and only about 6% of those without silent infarct. In logistic regression analysis, after adjusting for history of stroke and depression scores, silent infarct was associated with any cognitive impairment, mild or major, with an odds ratio of 10.5. Silent infarct was associated with major cognitive impairment with an odds ratio of 7.98. Interestingly, remission levels of ADAMTS-13 for the 12 months preceding the study were lower in patients with silent infarction versus those without. In a commentary, Camilla Messias of Florida International University said that while this prospective study demonstrates the impact of TTP in the brain, the exact mechanism behind long-term complications remains elusive. However, ADAMTS-13 appears to play a role. Messias writes that ADAMTS-13 below the normal range may predispose patients to microvascular injury and endothelial damage, and many patients with ITTP in remission have below normal ADAMTS-13 activity. There is consistent evidence linking ADAMTS-13 to stroke risk and severity, suggesting that through cleavage of von Willebrand factor, ADAMTS-13 may have antithrombotic properties. Future studies are needed to answer questions such as the ideal range for ADAMTS-13 in remission and additional biomarkers to predict which ITTP patients will experience silent infarction. For now, Messiah said, the results of the study emphasize the need to monitor ITTP patients in remission for disease complications. They should also be screened for cardiovascular risk factors. And preemptive treatments such as rituximab might be considered for patients with persistently low ADAMTS-13. The next research article is titled Palmitoyl Transferase ZDHHC21 Regulates Oxidative Phosphorylation to Induce Differentiation Block and Stemness in AML. The first author is Zhujing Xiao of Zhejiang University in Hongzhou, China. AML is an aggressive hematologic malignancy characterized by accumulation of hematopoietic progenitor cells. Among patients receiving intensive therapy, nearly 50% relapse likely due to persistence of drug-resistant leukemia stem cells. And despite numerous treatment advances in recent years, five-year survival for patients with AML is just 25 to 30 percent. 
So novel therapeutic strategies for AML are still needed, and one intriguing approach is the targeting of oxidative phosphorylation. Cells generate energy in the form of ATP through oxidative phosphorylation, a mitochondrial metabolic process. The survival of AML cells, and especially leukemia stem cells, depends heavily on oxidative phosphorylation. By blocking oxidative phosphorylation with specific drugs, AML cells undergo rapid apoptosis. This has been shown with agents such as rotenone, a mitochondrial complex 1 inhibitor, and tigacycline, which inhibits synthesis of mitochondrial ETC complex subunits. However, by directly targeting the mitochondrial complex, these agents are cytotoxic to normal cells as well. So strategies to regulate oxidative phosphorylation specifically in AML cells would clearly be an attractive and potentially less toxic alternate strategy. That's where Xiao and colleagues began their research, now published in the current issue of the Blood Journal. They screened 267 post-translational modification inhibitors to find ones that impact oxidative phosphorylation preferentially in AML cells. And they found a palmitoylation inhibitor that selectively inhibited oxidative phosphorylation in AML as opposed to hematopoietic stem cells. Palmitoylation is a process by which fatty acids, including palmitic acid, are added to cysteine residues on proteins. It's known to be essential to the function of oncogenes, such as NRAS and EGFR, as well as tumor suppressors, such as Scrib. In most cases, palmitoylation is catalyzed by palmitoyl S-acetyltransferases, comprising the zinc finger DHHC type, or ZDHHC-containing family. Recent studies have shown that ZDHHC plays a central role in tumorigenesis. So in the present research article, ZDHHC21 was the specific palmitoyl transferase that was found to be a key factor regulating oxidative phosphorylation in AML cells and leukemia stem cells. Xiao and co-investigators also looked at protein substrates that were palmitoylated by ZDHHC21. One that stood out was the mitochondrial kinase known as adenylate kinase, or AK2. They found that palmitoylation of AK2 promoted its mitochondrial localization and controlled oxidative phosphorylation and ATP production. The researchers then tried targeting ZDHHC21 using chemical and or genetic approaches. Depleting ZDHHC21 inhibited oxidative phosphorylation and reduced levels of ATP, thereby inducing myeloid differentiation and weakening the stemness potential of AML cells. In mice inoculated with AML cell lines and patient-derived xenograft AML blasts, inhibition of ZDHHC21 arrested blast growth, enhanced the efficacy of chemotherapy, and improved survival. Of note, FLT3-ITD mutated AML cells expressed higher levels of ZDHHC21 and appeared more sensitive to ZDHHC21 inhibition. In a commentary, Aaron D. Shimmer of the Princess Margaret Cancer Center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, said this elegant and important research identifies ZDHHC21 as a regulator of oxidative phosphorylation that is essential for a subset of AML cells. This work is also an important advance, Shimmer said, because it maps out how ZDHHC21-mediated palmitoylation influences mitochondrial function, and specifically in relation to AK2 as a target. Also important is the discovery that ZDHHC21 controls oxidative phosphorylation by regulating mitochondrial localization of AK2.
This work also has important therapeutic implications, as ZDHHC21 is now a potential therapeutic target in AML, raising the possibility that novel ZDHHC21 inhibitors could be a future treatment approach for patients with relapsed or refractory AML. The work does raise more questions that need to be answered. It would be important to determine whether AML patients with FLT3-ITD or other AML subsets are particularly sensitive to ZHHC21 inhibition, and it would be good to know whether the increased reliance of AML cells on ZDHHC21-mediated oxidative phosphorylation is a consequence or a driver of the disease. Thanks to this new research, Shimmer concludes, we are now in a position to ask and answer these questions. The final article is titled, Hepatic Niche Leads to Aggressive Natural Killer Cell Leukemia Proliferation Through Transferrin-Transferrin Receptor 1 Axis. The first author is Kazuaki Kameda of Tokai University School of Medicine in Isahara, Japan. Aggressive natural killer cell leukemia, or ANKL, is a rare hematologic malignancy with a very poor prognosis. Patients often present acutely with fever and other B symptoms, lymphodenopathy, and hepatosplenomegaly. The disease is often rapidly progressive, and most patients survive only a few months. ANKL is often associated with reactivation of Epstein-Barr virus, or EBV. The prevalence of ANKL is higher in Asian populations as compared to other racial or ethnic groups, though cases in Caucasian and Hispanic populations are increasingly being reported. Also, for the present research article, it's important to know that ANKL cells are typically found in the bone marrow, peripheral blood, liver, and spleen. At this time, there is no standard of care treatment for ANKL. With chemotherapy, the median survival of patients with ANKL is just two to seven months, and some patients undergo allogeneic stem cell transplantation. This may extend survival in some cases, but generally has limited success. So new treatments for ANKL are needed, but one barrier to therapeutic development is that we know very little about the pathogenesis of this disease. There are few patient samples to work with, and relevant mouse models are lacking but one area ripe for exploration is the tumor microenvironment. Many studies have demonstrated that the tumor microenvironment plays a key role in tumorigenesis in a variety of cancers. And in some of these studies, EBV-reactivated B-cell lymphoma has been shown to adjust the tumor microenvironment in ways that help ensure its own survival and progression. Some of those studies in EBV-reactivated B-cell lymphoma were performed by Kameda and colleagues, who are also authors of the present research article. Building on their prior observations, Kameda and co-investigators now provide new insights on how ANKL cells interact with their tumor microenvironment. To do this, they developed ANKL patient-derived xenograft mice. They exhibit infiltration of ANKL cells in bone marrow, spleen, and liver, reflecting the pathophysiology of this disease in humans. Researchers discovered that the primary niche for ANKL was in the liver, which is a non-canonical hematopoietic organ in the human adult. This is interesting, given that ANKL patients often present with hematosplenomegaly and liver dysfunction. In vivo imaging and flow cytometric analysis were used to evaluate the patient-derived xenografts. This revealed that ANKL cells first engrafted and proliferated in the hepatic sinusoid and periportal areas of the liver, and then spread to the blood, spleen, and bone marrow. The liver distribution of ANKL cells was confirmed in mice as well as patients. Compared to spleen-derived ANKL cells, liver-derived ANKL cells had an especially aggressive phenotype 
with high expression of MYC and MYC-related genes. Further analyses pinpointed the transferrin-transferrin receptor 1 axis as a potential mediator of interactions between the liver and ANKL. As background, we know that iron uptake involves transferrin binding to the transferrin receptor, resulting in receptor-mediated endocytosis. Using RNA sequencing and interactome analyses, investigators found that expression of the MYC-regulated transferrin receptor 1 gene was upregulated in ANKL cells. That suggested a potential therapeutic vulnerability, namely iron uptake via the transferrin-transferrin 1 receptor axis. Using in vivo CRISPR-Cas9 to manipulate the ANKL patient-derived xenografts, investigators found that ANKL cells are vulnerable to iron deprivation and confirmed the transferrin-transferrin receptor 1 axis as a potential therapeutic target. That led to further experiments exploring the therapeutic potential of targeting transferrin receptor 1 with a humanized monoclonal antibody known as PPMX-T003. In the ANKL patient-derived xenografts, this monoclonal antibody had therapeutic efficacy that investigators described as remarkable. Treatment delayed disease progression and prolonged survival in these mice. Imaging revealed that ANKL was eradicated from the liver, though some lesions were still present in the spleen and bone marrow. In a commentary, Dagmar Goddard of the University of Veterinary Medicine in Vienna, Austria, said these findings illustrate the engraftment and proliferation of ANKL cells in the liver. Goddard points to accumulating evidence that iron metabolism plays an important role in the progression of cancers. Furthermore, when compared to healthy cells, many tumor cells demonstrate a high dependency on iron. Furthermore, Goddard writes, the results suggest that the transferrin-transferrin receptor 1 axis may be a new therapeutic target. New targets are welcome, as the need for novel therapies in ANKL is urgent. Several novel treatment strategies are being evaluated in ANKL. These include immune checkpoint inhibitors, cellular immunotherapies, and targeted therapies that inhibit the JAK-STAT pathway. And PPMX-T003, the transferrin receptor 1-specific monoclonal antibody described in the present research article, demonstrated acceptable safety in a recent Phase 1 study involving healthy individuals. Goddard concludes that the present study by Kameda and colleagues provides important insight regarding iron metabolism in ANKL. And it also provides justification for further clinical trials looking at the targeting of iron uptake to treat this fatal disease. You have been listening to The Blood Podcast. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.